0: Hello, I'm Stephen Fry, a trustee of the Royal Academy of Arts and very proud to be so. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks for inviting me first of all to what I consider to be a very intense lecture series and a series of debates I discovered because Owen uh, put forward I think a very challenging position paper and has invited a series of critics of architecture which will certainly of a caste that puts the heat on us very heavily and there's a series of kind of anti-capitalist challenges with a lot of moral charge but i think at the same time although they are kind of pervasive in a certain intellectual intelligentsia culture they are all of them based on fallacies and i will pick through those because it's very important that that we that i uh come here and and Make some arguments The arguments will be twofold on one hand, I want to recognize that architecture in recent years has been politicized. That has to do with many aspects of culture and society having been politicized since two thousand and eight with the financial crisis occupy movement, Arab Spring. European debt crisis, Greece, Spain, I mean, there's so much going on uh, that occupies a lot of airspace everywhere and is also uh, pushing heavily into architecture. So that's the first thing we have to recognize, address, but also I think it's important to protect a zone and airspace for architecture and architectural discourse beyond the kind of its political ramifications. Now, I have been equally politicized and politically charged up since 2008. Uh, but in a very different direction. Not in the kind of retro direction back to the 70s, which Corbein represents and has, has a huge following. I'm moving and I'm, and I'm excited about a new direction. has a new vehicle which I'm getting involved with, which is Lieberland. And at the Chicago Architects Biennale I will be announcing the first the comp- international competition for designing um, Lieberland. It's basically a, a micronation uh, anarcho-capitalist, libertarian micronation, which believes that um, there's a different, an answer and direction to the stagnation and problems we're facing in this kind of decade, uh, rather than going back to the 70s. So just put that out there. I have a very strong political opinion, highly evolved political opinion, because also it moves through a series of stages to arrive at that. And I've also been involved already in. Um, the politicization of parametricism, the movement and candidate-apocal style of the 21st century parametricism. There was a conference I was speaking on and there's a book just came out I can recommend called The Politics of Parametricism and my article, it's a kind of keynote article in there, it's called The Historical Pertinence of Parametricism and the Prospect of a Free Market Urban Order. Have a look at that. So, um, architecture's politicization. I mean, you see it at schools where I'm teaching and I've been has been a vehicle of evolving parametrizona like the AA, which is where it becomes politically charged up, a kind of debating club. The same at the Columbia University, under the leadership of Mike Wigley, uh, where there's far less design and much more debate about the direction of society, and I I appreciate that, and I appreciate the urgency, but the problem is at the same time that the project of designing for the 21st century has been kind of put on hold for quite a few years. The Venice Biennale, Pritzker Prize, all these institutional forums are in a sense uh, validating charitable, political, critical achievements and, and so there's no space seems left to discuss design. Now this also affects us at Zaharit Architects and Zaharit. so so we have this kind of whole suede of politicising and moralising architectural critics, which I think are in the same vein and what the, the speaker's own has put together. Something like Ron Moore, Oliver Wainwright, you can can read them through. They're key critics of The Guardian, of Observer, and other uh, uh, papers. That's the kind of new um, thrust and intellectual environment in which architecture is perceived, and perceived primarily (laughs) on political grounds and premises with a kind of moral charge, and from a moral high ground sometimes even. So when... (laughs) news arrived in England and the world that uh, we had to give up on three years of intense work on a beautiful Olympic Stadium in Tokyo, we got this kind of response uh, from, 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 it's typical to some extent, maybe in no an extreme uh, sense, but that was the occasion, the announcement that we wouldn't be doing Olympic Stadium and the Guardian said, yeah, this should happen much more often here, that, you know, arrogant architects are shown the way. And uh, put in their place. And here was an occasion for uh, Stephen Bailey uh, to say, you know, the locality Hadid prefers is the backyards of dictators and tyrants. Her latest buildings always win approval from supine architecture and design media, so work very well as salvation via design for repressive regimes. She has projects in various stages of completion or disarray in Libya, Iraq, Russia, Qatar, China, and Azerbaijan. We have projects in all these places, but of course we also have projects in England and Scotland, in literally every single European country we had, nearly in every city of Spain, France, Germany, and half of cities of Italy, we had projects. Uh, Some of them stopped, of course, with the crisis, so we're thinking about what's happening. We had, of course, projects in in the, in the Americas, in, in the Middle East, and Asia. And here, of course, China is also picked out as something where it seems we're all compromised uh, and, and we should kind of boycott all these places, seems to be the, the, the message here. And, I mean, it seems okay that we all live off these places consuming oil and the products of China, but, uh, including the critics, but, but there seems to be a kind of moral charge of hands off and basically our hands are dirty, and we are put into our place as it were. And yeah, just as a reminder, that was the occasion that was kind of scrapped. And the next thing happened, which on more on the positive side, that Zadid got the uh, Reba Royal Gold Medal. And the responses there were also occasions to rehearse a series of challenges and accusations <laughs> which have been circulating in the last few years. So in the radio interview the first, you know, so had to answer questions about health and safety and, and the dying workers in Qatar. Then the Tokyo the issue came also up as, as, as a, in, in a kind of challenging fashion and she, she kind of refused to continue. there has been, of course, going viral and then it was for the spectator reason to confirm, yes, her aggressive performance implies that architecture would be better off without her. So I'm I'm showing to this, uh, you know, you can make excuses. I mean, some of these papers have to write stories uh, and there's underlying serious issues, but you can see that the kind of atmosphere of leftist, left liberal critique and its focus is really uh, uh, making us a kind of free for all. We are kind of, uh, we can be beaten up and pushed. And um, from some kind of moral high ground, I guess the implication is that well, we'll talk about later what the implication should be. So, but we keep in a good mood <laughs> because we have you know tons of clients around the world, um, with various degrees of sophistication and and political credentials, if you like. And also we have four hundred people in the office who seem. Not to be worried about, you know, you, you know, we are meant to kind of protest and withdraw from all these jobs. And, but people, the young people, who have, some of them are here, don't have that problem. They don't say, hey, by the way, I don't want to work in this country, that country, this project, and because I have real problems with that. Uh, they don't do that. Uh, nobody came to us. And we're not kind of tyrants who, who wouldn't be sensitive, sensitive and sensitive to this. So let me just go through very, very quickly where we are supposedly compromising ourselves and when we first started China it was a lot of heat and even colleagues were saying you know I would never go to China with uh, the human rights abuses and so on so we can't work there but what are we actually doing there i mean, just clicking through that is opera houses Youth Olympic uh, I mean there's, there's a lot of work and I think progressive and and life enhancing work showing the way of, uh, of how we can address metropolitan conditions in the 21st century and of course, there's co- contrasts still and and, and, and ruggedness and, and juxtapositions, and this is going on, but uh, you know, is this condition uh, the problem a uh, fault of this, or is this uh, you know a solution to these conditions? One might ask. Very, very progressive clients with, with, with you know work shared bookable, online bookable tables. so you can you can write now book office space and offer tables or shorter notice in in Beijing, if you like. And we've literally millions and millions of square feet or square meter even uh, finished on the construction in, in Beijing. And there were dense metropolitan conditions. We also do things for the government. I mean, some of these projects were government, some of these are private. So this is uh, Beijing New Airport, which we're designing and moving forward with. We're also having on-site a a new cultural project in China, uh with a museum, opera house and various conditions. So, so that's what we're doing. Um, so, dirty hands, or should we should we kind of stop doing this and and join the ranks of the critics? Um, we just came. From, I just came from Russia. Russia is, of course, the land of the oligarchs of Putin of human rights abuse, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, we're building, and we just finished a very of forward-looking and uh, progressive, I would argue. Workplace, um, kind of peripheral to the center, but for multi-tenant office space with uh, with conferencing and and facilities, public facilities uh, on the ground floor, and a lot of cool people will be gathering here, right? <laughs> and some of the aesthetics and and the expression means also you you know you need to navigate a city like this, so that cool people, which are relevant to each other, actually can gather, and they will gather in a place like this. And and, uh, it's a cool thing, and it has a series of attractions and openness, and when you move in, it becomes a kind of interesting public, semi-public, let's say, uh, community space, graphic space, then space for interactions across various firms which which are gathering in, in this building. And also some of these moves, uh, this kind of push with the cantilevers, means also that you have this kind of totally column-free, malian-free projection, actually through the whole building, out into the city, across uh, the atrium, through the other side of the city. Nice event spaces and so on. We just came back yesterday from that. And we had a nice after party at Strelka an Architecture School, who... And you can see kind of, a place like Russia isn't equals Putin equals hands off. It's, 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 you have many friends and and, and people there, creatives, and who, who want to change uh, the conditions there in our buildings will make a contribution. Now, well, there's also these kind of things. Um, this is true oligarch territory in terms of uh, a kind of fabulous dream house villa, where, which where I think, um, I'm sure we'll get a lot of heat with, of this, this is friend Vladislav, up there, our client. And um, what is this? So, you know, how do we justify this? I mean, first of all, it's, it's very tough to resist doing this. But from the way I see it is in two ways. One is that he's financing a kind of research program in in, in, in technology. This is a smart house. the a lot of manufacturing challenges, uh, structural challenges. It's also a, you know, we also have to see that somehow uh, the rich people often, the pioneer consumers which make these things possible, make automobile possible, there's always at the beginning of that a necessary challenge of uh, a kind of pioneering uh, consumption. Um, and I guess, yeah, it's, it's for us, it's a kind of, uh, he's financing our architectural research. And we do that in China as well, it's another of those characters we do a penthouse for. And and we do, of course, in New York, we've now landed on creating uh, places for the 1% in um, New York, in Miami, maybe this is more than 5% uh, in Singapore. This is 1,500 units for well of people in Singapore who, who together to live in various places. And I mean, that takes a lot of hard work. But also you need to think of it this way. So um, if, if this is the top 1% or the 5%, that means they uh, they they have a lot of consumption power because they have earned a lot and have a lot of money. But what is money if it isn't a certificate of service? So it means they have served so many to pull this, and all these men and 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 they only continue to serve those monies. One could argue if they have things to purchase, things to know. What's the point of owning? Uh, you know, creating such great markets, such enhancement across the world where we all know that we've, our life has been super enhanced by these kind of products and that we pay much more than a few hundred dollars for this and we would still want to have it so that we have a huge consumer per surplus for everybody and accessible. And But uh, but if there wasn't this kind of super for those who actually make this possible and make all of us happy, then you would, wouldn't be incentive to create these things in the first place. So anyway, this is a discussion we could have. We're also doing resorts in China and we're doing... Toys like this you might find questionable um, set <coughs> uh, <coughs> cetera, etc cetera. so we 're we, we also going uh, into the Middle East which is full of contradictions and problems and issues and we've done that and this is of course the run up to, to 2008 was an intense insane nearly nearly period of of activity and so some of these things didn 't get built uh, but you know fabulous uh, concert hall projecting over the Water from Sadiat Island in, in in Abu Dhabi, in Dubai, the Opera House. I mean, this is all dream places. Uh, Jordan, uh, the Aman uh, Royal Opera House, and so on. You might question: is is that what Aman and a city like this really needs and requires? But that's something not our decision. But that's something which comes out of these countries and and seems to be uh, a demand, a desire, and a project which which Ghana support. And we deliver too. We even go to places like Saudi Arabia, uh, uh, Qatar, Mubarak's Egypt, the huge kind of new Cairo uh, office complex, and and of course uh, Azerbaijan, um, the HDLF, uh Cultural Center with museums, concert hall et cetera, as a culture centre. And and something, again, the, the conditions there uh, could be debated, uh, but we also know that BP is investing there. Uh, it's a large investment. We we, we draw oil, we have communication with them. And and these... We have to be... Uh, can't measure all global conditions with, with a kind of uh, a single measuring rod which, which is based on our latest uh, achievement and, and, and demands. And I think we're doing... We're doing uh, these uh, places a favor and uh, ourselves a favor to, to, to engage in such works and projects. And uh, this is the latest one in, in Sharjah, which is moving forward. Uh, more from Saudi Arabia, etc. cetera. Now, but we also, so not only working in these territories, we also uh, directly working for political institutions. So this is uh, Cambodia. Um, we might be on the good books for this with certain uh, critics on this, perhaps, but perhaps not. This is the um, Genocide Khmer Rouge Documentation Center of, 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 of in, in, in Phnom Penh. And it's an, I mean a, a a private initiative, but it also has government support, and, and the Cambodian government has, uh, of course, problems like most governments, which aren't the handful of most advanced countries this is a parliament of abu dhabi which we made proposals for we this is um syria so we met with assad and we made proposals for a a new parliament building complex in in uh, damascus before this whole place went out up in flames and uh, we also worked with the uh, Gaddafi regime we worked uh, with under the leadership of saif and this is the people's congress 5000 on uh, in Tripoli which was which was proposed so, i mean it was interesting actually there was if you look at libya as a case before this for all apart and moved horribly, horribly wrong is you had actually a a renaissance of sorts with a lot of young foreign educated libyans coming out under the leadership of Saif and trying to modernize the country and, and bringing in connections and, and work and, and in, so, so the diaspora of the Libyans actually moved back. And you find that in many, many places. Uh, this is the uh, cabinet offices for Baghdad, Iraq, which we made proposals for. We didn't win this competition. This is uh, the Iraqi parliament complex with two houses uh, and various uh, auditoria and that's something which might go forward uh, we also doing Iraqi central bank uh, which is also very much driven by uh, sustainability environmental issues and this region it's not advisable to do these kind of glass towers with with massive air conditioning underneath so this is this is moving forward and uh, Routefliki in Algeria, a, a kind of presidential palace with various ceremonial and conferencing facilities. Some of the latest things we're working on. Uh, perhaps one more to show uh, what, uh, is the Saudi Aramco uh, managed uh, King Abdullah Research Center. It's a research campus close to the university and from the way to the airport to Riyadh very much driven by uh, a sense of campus life, but dense and concentrated and shielded from the sun, a hexagonal system which allows more connections with more neighbors for each cell in space than, than the grid would allow you, and with a heavy uh, motivation uh, <coughs> to work with this very, very harsh climate in terms of sun protection and wind uh, Capturing as well as solar capturing, etc. So very much a uh, environmentally driven uh, project, not through machines but through architectural morphology. And you can just uh, just flick through some of these um, buildings. You can see the kind of depths of walls, the shading, and the the different the richness of various spaces. So we have office spaces. We have uh conferencing facilities library facilities and a lot of uh porosity and 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 connective connection and spaces together outdoor spaces shaded spaces um kind of internalized campus condition religious spaces i'm kind of uh, of course an enlightened atheist if you like uh or but but you know we We have to accept where where cultures are and how they want to express themselves and and contribute to this. So this is the the religious space, more spaces. Just go quickly through this. And again, I mean, we're happy. It's kind of a complex and contradictory world. And we get a lot of heat for doing all this. I mean, again, what's the alternative? I think the suggestion is to kind of withdraw from this in protest. Join the ranks of the critics leave these territories to their own devices, if you like. But again, we get Rowan Moore, who has been the head of the Architecture Foundation and now the key critic of um, Observer, coming out with this at the occasion of the uh, gold medal and Carves in. I mean, fair enough, maybe, but with exaggeration. So prodigiously expensive aquatic center. Supposedly torpedoed the organized claim for sustainability because he's criticizing the uh, the steel roof because it has more tonnage than a tensile structure. But you can't do that. You have to look at the overall structure first of all. And this is a lead gold project anyway. So we don't know where we. Not that I give much credit. I don't find it's a high priority. Necessarily, I think there's a we have mix we have a messed up and mixed up uh, our priorities uh, sometimes when we, when we are, when we are, when we're over exaggeratedly focusing on sustainability but we, we are we are ticking these boxes. The riverside museum supposedly is, is dysfunctional and expensive so the the, the the suggestion here is and that I want to pick up on first of all um our kind of architecture, which is interested in complexity, I will talk about more what the, what the agendas are, what the advantages are, what the life-enhancing potentials of this are, um, that this is not an investment worthwhile making. So that we should, that's a waste of money, as if it was just a kind of uh, self-indulgent, artistic, um, self-expression desire, which, which, which explains these Architectures. That's a presumption, despite the fact that I've written one hundred articles and 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 various books, one running into over a thousand pages. That doesn't matter. It's just you can just stay with your prejudice that this is just um, self-indulgence. And uh, so, as if the justification of kind of imposing dysfunctionality and cost overruns was kind of a genius, insistent on a kind of genius, and that, 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 that clients and, and audiences are equally uh, bewitched by such um, fetishisms. That's a presumption. I mean, it's just seems to be self-evident. So the masterpiece defends the idea that talent and personally ex- ex- cues almost anything. Not in my book. These works uh, have advantages and a rationality which is superior to any prior styles which other people might want to go back to or, or insist on resting with. They are superior on many counts, certainly on technical counts, in terms of uh, only parametriism is able, in fact, to to really make use of and garner the uh, engineering intelligences and manufacturing intelligence, which we, which we are now having, having at our fingertips, whereas these potentials and capabilities are wasted with, with, in all other styles. The same is in terms of more sophisticated and adaptive and pliant and versatile adaptation to climatic and environmental conditions. Only parametriism is, in fact, able to do that, etc., um, etc. Cetera, et cetera. He's also going in... Um, that we're doing uh, dachas for oligarchs, condominiums in Miami, shopping centers in Beijing, World Cup stadium in Qatar, etc. As of all these things were equally uh, questionable. I mean, what's wrong with with, with shopping? <laughs> uh, um, I it's, it's, it, it's just becomes a kind of mindless barrage, nearly. And needs to be these this kind of attacks need to be put in their place. Um, Of course, he's recognizing that it's recognizing that's good. I don't want to be, you know, over, over, um, critical. That that everybody in these territories, the Olympic Committee, multinational businesses, right, spectral cultural institutions. That's true. Mayor, the checker, everybody, and all of us are in there because we, we, we're, we're consuming the produce and selling into these places. We we're, we're all in there together, of course, um, and. Again, the excuse that they're all in there, it only goes so far, it doesn't answer the fundamental question. What if architects such as the were more principled in their choice of clients? What if they got together and formed a common front? Might that not be a force for good? Absolutely not! <laughs> That's this kind of, you know, we always drawing into a boycott. I mean, this, it's, it's never thought through, it's just stated there. Absolutely no, it is not a force for good. It's just delu- delusion, self-delusion. Where else do we go? Uh, yeah, here at least there's a sense of... Um, that we would... recognition that we have a theory... Um, of design, which is about to revolutionize liberate the way people live in cities, etc. I think that, that's that's a very good point. And, but he doesn't buy it, he doesn't understand it, he doesn't grasp it, he doesn't find it convincing. I think it's just the rhetoric, the freedom of those forms does not translate into freedom for users he's claiming. And that's the argument to make, and that's our failing. And I think we need to make these arguments more forcefully and, and, and carefully. I mean, it's not only in, in writings, which are not easy to penetrate always. So that's why I'm st- coming out and, and in lectures. and debates to try to clarify what 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 the advantages and life-enhancing qualities of these works, in fact, are. So, I mean, but there's really, in, in a lot of this, there's no specifically architectural criticism. Um, there's no close reading. Or there's just, you know, gut reactions. This complexity, no, this is meaningless. It, means it, it can only kind of um uh, be in the way of of real life processes um and again what's you know we don't need somebody like ron moore and who's uh, an architectural education and and has been leading the um architectural relation that that cost overruns are something you know problematic <laughs> that we have sustainability issues to to deal with or you know certain technical functionality issues uh or he's alleging practical problems, which I think is just alleging by prejudicial glances. So I think it's incredibly sloppy and, and problematic. But the point is this, that in an atmosphere where you have this kind of moral high ground taken and we are, we, we are kind of pushed, it becomes easy to do that. And, and But I also find that once we engage in the communication, I think these things open up. For instance, we, we get enormous amount of... of, 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 of shitstorms on, 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 the, on the web and with comments, barrages, and whenever I come up with something. But you know, the point is what I realized is that when I answer these points and pick them all one by one, and then there's, you know, people see actually we are not these monsters who are kind of bought by the oligarchs and, and only interested in money and, 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 and are reckless and careless about, about people dying on sites. And so we're not these monsters. Right? And they find out very quickly once, once one comes back with, with a point. And I think that's very important. Um, so so I think, um, and I also want to keep the dialogue going with these characters. I'm not going to, I've been a bit harsh on Rowan, but I want to talk to him. I want to talk to the characters who have been invited here to lecture. We'll come to the debates and, and uh, try to explain what we're up to, what we're trying to do, and the, the, the fundamental premise for that debate to be going is that we actually believe it. We all have a similar agenda. You know, I'm not writing hundred critics articles to become wealthy, uh, <clears throat> but that there's a real uh, passionate and and committed belief in uh, that architecture matters. That that uh, I'm worried and 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 following how societies evolve, what political trends are forming, and to participate in this, I believe in societal progress and want to contribute this. So. You know, peace, guys. (laughs) Cool off. Let's, you know, take the emotional charge out a bit and start with the right premise here. You know, um, and what are we into? I mean, why are we, what are we doing? What's what's important? Peace. Peace is a condition, right? It's not only here, so we have an argument, but also out there in the world. Uh, Freedom. Freedom is a value in itself, and it's, it's wonderful and powerful. And, but it's an absolute also condition for prosperity. We need to, you know, live well and live better. Freedom, prosperity, and that's, a, you know, precondition of charity. We want to be charitable to each other, in a true sense, and that's what I'm all about. So, uh, in peace. Let's take it for granted. Freedom, prosperity, charity, and freedom is many things. It's freedom of association, freedom of enterprise, freedom of contract, of trade consumption choices, freedom to choose the medium of exchange, Bitcoin, Uh, freedom from political control. You can see here where I'm going with this. I'm a libertarian. I have made up my mind that I don't trust in majoritarian dictatorship, if you like. We can't wait before we do anything that everybody agrees, educated and half-educated with all the interests and and lack of attention, we have to allow individuals and entrepreneurs, or anybody, to charge forward and show the way. Um, we don't need to have a nanny state kind of looking after that this kind of entrepreneur might, might do, kind of do bad things. If he does, he will, lo- he will lose his capital very, very quickly. So, um, these are the freedoms I believe in, artistic freedom. Yeah, of course, it's, it's part of freedom of speech, if you like, but also I don't want to emphasize this. I put that in bracket and say, no, let's not overemphasize artistic freedom. I want to actually argue sharply within, between architects, where we should be going, what we're doing, not by with a gun on your head, <laughs> with, 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 with harsh mutual criticism, arguing in the domain of, of architecture. I prefer to talk with architects about architecture. I'll force you a little bit to make some political positions clear, perhaps, but I'm not going to, in this lecture, uh, enter a detailed political debate or an exposition of libertarian economics and politics. So, but in terms of artistic freedom, no, it's artistic freedom, is, I put it in bracket, I don't give license and want to give license at this stage in the evolution of, of the new epochal style of climatism where we are, to kind of a free-for-all, everybody uh, doing what, how, how they feel without being critiqued and challenged. So I put that in bracket. Um, so, what I said earlier is this we have to have a frank, respectful, honest debate also across these ideological divides. All these characters, these kind of anti capitalist, left oriented uh, critics, with their moral, moralizing kind of thrust, all the, 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 the characters Owen has invited, and Owen himself, for me, they were. You know, I want to talk to them because they, 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 they at least share one thing, the pursuit of societal progress. I believe that. They are not indifferent, and for me they are all potential converts to, to, to my way of thinking and, and working and looking at the world. So, so I think, but we, as I said earlier, we should do that debate without the negative hostile emotional charge, without all too quick moral condemnation. with a presumption of honesty and good intentions. Uh, with the necessary premise that all participants in this public debate, at least subjectively, share in the pursuit of societal progress, I certainly—that's what I'm all about. You might distrust that. And I've, I mean, oftentimes I make arguments. Oh, I'm just advertising uh, Zayed Architects. It's, I'm just in there to, to 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 spin to project spin for my business. <laughs> Fine. You want to believe that and ignore the argument. Uh, fine, but it's, it's just not the premise of debate. Um, so architecture, um, that's from Owen. In Owen's position paper, he's kind of putting out some, some notions. He's saying architecture was conceived as an instrument of social progress with the capability to, f- to improve people's lives. So that's the kind of understanding, that's what modernism was all about. We all grant that modernism had that social project. But that somehow that got lost, yeah. I, I think I did say modernist architecture there. Yeah, yeah. It's just for the record. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm saying modernist. Uh, we, we, we attribute this to the modernists. And um, first of all, hey, mm, if you look at the characters, Gropius, Mies, Corp, they were in, an, in, in a kind of socio-economic groundswell that carried along with the, with the, with the movement and ferment. But also, but at the same time so they weren't had to. I think they were passionate and they were idealists in many ways. But today architecture according to Owen is in the thrall of private interests and the needs of capital. First of all, I mean I have problems with this. I mean I think we all have. The protagonists of today are equally interested in this and our architecture delivers precisely this. That would be my claim. But also that contradiction, that opposition between private interests and the kind of social wheel is, is fallacious. I mean that is Adam Smith's 101, right? And the needs of capital, there, there are no needs of capital uh, uh, <clears throat> which are different from the needs of capital actually needing to serve all of us to enhance our lives. So first of all yeah for me architecture remains an instrument of social progress This must remain our premise, but also I believe it's a great fallacy to counterpose social progress and the market process. The market process is the incredible uh, uh, hit-upon institutional process which delivered the modern world out of kind of depravity and backwardness uh, and stagnation for thousands of years. It was the market process which which delivered that Uh, and continues to do so and in the contemporary world, in, in post-forest network society, all the more. There was a reason why we had a kind of a neoliberal renaissance, if you like, after some of the experiments and, and, and policies and, and processes of the 20th century, which I don't think necessarily were a mistake, but that would have been a mistake to continue with them. They were compatible with a mass Industrialized, mechanized society of Fordism, let's say, and they became more and more not the vehicle and congenial to a computationally empowered, microelectronic revolution-driven post-Fordist network society, um, where where markets become much more powerful, important, potent, and I think we will talk about later in the in the debates. I think that will, you know, all the new spaces of communication which are delivered by entrepreneurs by markets. Uh, whether it's in America where shopping malls are, you know, where people are hanging out on, where, you know, uh, private universities, a lot of private parks, but also all the, all the communication space of the internet and markets themselves, whether you look at Facebook, Google+, eBay, they're all entrepreneurial creations. So who is or should be afraid of capital? That means of the market. I would say that those who are unable or unwilling to make themselves useful to others because that's what you do in markets and as I said money is a certificate of service and there are two ways to get hold of money by serving others better with better products using up less resources in the process and that is what this profit signifies somebody make a profit means he's he's creating value out of nothing putting things together and creating that emergent surplus, that additional, which he then gives away and keeps a certain amount off. Whereas if you don't make a profit, then you're literally wasting resources. You're putting things together, people's work, raw materials, and the outcome is less than you had. You're actually losing. You're making society poorer. And that's why profit is such an important and necessary signal which, which pushes resources into arenas and ways which serve and withdraws them, and they have to be withdrawn from arenas which are just wasted. And uh, 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 um, put in, together in ways which, which make us poorer. Um, just a little bit of Austrian economics. <laughs> so, now I'm coming to Owen's uh, position paper. Uh, just to pick that apart, I mean, it's online somewhere, the <coughs> online. I think you can only get. So I've got uh, double with all this already. Architecture is beholden to the needs of capital. Yes, we all should be. The needs of capital is are the needs of the market, are the needs of all of us, and capital formation is very very important. And and uh, also capital reallocation is incredibly important. I mean, you know, I mean, there's so many fallacies. People don't get it, understand. For instance, that if if I'm a billionaire. Who, uh, Warren Buffett, who, who, ha- who is controlling a huge amount of assets. Well, yes, the, the first distinguish between his personal consumption and these assets he's actually directing and redirecting in away from waste into gifts for all of us. And for that, he takes a certain slice. So it's incredibly potent and powerful social contribution to all of us. These kind of speculators just you know, speculate with, their own wealth and with some other people's wealth. Because these savings need to be reinvested properly unless they're waste away. And if you, if you have government stepping in, it always leads to waste, by the way. You know, to subsidize and keep alive all these uh, kind of decrepit loss-making enterprises and to just make us all poorer. So that's the first thing. Uh, so architecture is a public art that needs to negotiate the conflict between the client, its private interest. And the public impact, and to some extent, I agree with it. Although I said there's, there's not an absolute conflict. Um, these private interests are, you know, business interests, meaning they are the consumers who want to purchase these apartments, who want to buy in these malls, who want to go to these entertainment places. They are the ones. Whose interests are served by these so-called private interests? Everybody's interests, potentially. Of course, we're uh, not everybody is using everything at the same time. And but of course, there are also externalities. They they sit in the landscape and they're seen. They might visually pollute, and there is there is a collective action issue, and we can come to that at some point. But first of all, but it's not. I mean, but fashion is equally public, right? Because. All the what we're wearing is out in the street. The streets are full of fashion. It's in our face everywhere and always. It's just the way architecture is. Right? And you might find it o- offensive. <laughs> you might not mind. You know, a lot of people find it offensive. The girl comes to the skippies address, uh, or uh, you know. So, so this is equally public design. You know, industrial design is everything is full. The, the world is full of industrial design. What I'm saying is this: that the design disciplines, which are all fused and come together, urban design, architecture, industrial design, fashion, and everything design, is, is totally within our remit of the design disciplines and the leaders and thinkers of this uh, would determine the physiognomy of the built environment and the world of artifacts, everything. And it, it's all, in a sense, public. A few things are in the, in the private domain. So, so it's not specific to, to, to architecture, in this sense. Um, yeah, we had this already. Modernism aspiration for social progress uh, were repudiated, by the way, by postmodernism and the triumph of the market. No, they were not. They continue with, by other means, these aspirations. And social progress has happened. 2015, we are hugely more wealthy, and that's by the way, can't be measured in money. than in 1965, which is the kind of last uh, point of reference for people like Hadley and other uh, nostalgic. Uh, Socialists, maybe for Corbyn as well, because it's too clear for everybody to, to, to forget that the 70s were an absolute disaster in terms of uh, the UK, for instance, but no, this continues. Um, social progress through, you know, these cool guys from Sergei and Larry, for instance, and what they're up to, and, and I don't mind any amount of money they, they earn, they reinvest in it anyway, in the most exciting... Research and campus, and you know, and they don't do evil. They don't. The evil in the whole system comes in when, when we when we have government uh, interfering. Um, so, due to the apparent failure of the 70s modernist housing estates and the dissolution of the post-war settlement, yeah, so that, that reads together. Um, I also have a point with that. I don't. I think it's fallacious too. So, um, first of all, I think that. The 70s modernist housing estates—they were hugely successful as they aligned with a certain historical era, and it wasn't—it wasn't an architectural issue. Uh, and but they became kind of gathers of social de- degeneration and depravity through political <coughs> conditions. Which the reference points of people like Corbyn and certain nostalgic lefts are responsible for. Not I don't make them morally responsible, it's just intellectually responsible for. And these things had to change and move forward. And it's strange. Uh, but I think what is so wild and, 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 and put down and more, and with moral categories, which actually have to, we have to suspend a little bit. I'll give you a Rem, we have to kind of suspend moral and aesthetic judgment for one, just look at processes and understand processes. Uh, this, this kind of Thatcherite neoliberal revolution, which has been seen to be kind of so amoral and, and, and horrendous, was the only way forward. Out of that uh, condition, and all the, on the remnants of these kind of historical anachronism is what is holding us back still. And that the 2008 crisis, its interpretation was was false. It was that it was in fact kind of a deregular and too much capitalism. There was far there was not enough capitalism. That's the problem. We are still having the false grasp of this. We are still trying to, in this kind, block. Self-regulating mechanisms of markets and that prevents the most advanced societies to move out of this stagnation. Um, architects find that traditional remit increasingly encroached by specialization of different roles within the build, building industry. I mean, these are, these are the, the notions of, of Owens, and they're, they're pervasive. Everybody's saying these kind of things, and I agree, I disagree also with this very, very much, because um, I believe that. Specialisation is progressing on and on and on, and we are, we are now have a different role, and I've been trying to define that as architecture and urban design. The is, is is no longer in charge of all the technical functionality issues. That is given away to engineering specialists, for instance, including now facade engineering, gliding engineering. And what we are left with, and of course, also um, all this those things to do with the programmatic distribution and location and synergies of uh, uh, of, of urban dimension is developers' business, and I agree that 100%. What we are now uh, uh, picking up on and specializing onto is our real, what we now becomes our exclusive and sole core competency, is the organizational articulation of the spatial visual field. Of, of appearances, legibility, structurations, semiologies of the built environment, um, it's kind of styling, if you like, as an engine and machine for social communication. And this, we have to give up this idea that everything to do with the appearances and visual presences and, and, and understanding is not in the domain of the functional. That is superbly and, 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 and prominently through which Build environments primarily function. I will argue that later. This image just shows you that... I mean, if we talked a bit of politics, and I'm mix, in this lecture I'm mixing with politics and architecture. But it's very important that there are the different arenas um, which only start conflating if society is in turmoil. Like in the late 60s, you know, you have really the politicization of everything. How you live your girlfriend, it becomes a political issue, right? And then and everything becomes that. And there's a little bit of that going on. And I have to be, to some extent, tolerant of that. But at the same time, we need to recognize we, if, it couldn't be forever in society. We can't kind of put on hold architectural, specialized discourses of experts with the nuanced reading, precisely these kinds of questions. Why is this curve? Why this repertoire? Why, why are you special... You know, you're talking something which isn't... At that very moment, already overtly political. And you need to be able to do that. But if it's, it's continuously prevented because you have the pistol on your chest, that you, you need immediately, you know, you need a kind of political uh, gesture to, and, and that means in this case, we going to stop these uh, uh, um, um, morally morally uh, irresponsible kind of forms, basically. Under this circumstance, you can't get to this discourse. But, so there must be. Except in absolute revolutionary situations, a division of labor in terms of discourses, and here are some of them, and that's the theory of Luhmann: politics, law, economy, science, education, and they become autonomous to a very large degree. So science goes on, and politics can't determine, you know, what is the correct theory here, there, or where, where, where which direction is a more fruitful trajectory of research. You know, these, you, it, it will be that's totalitarianism. You're trying to kind of collapse all this. And these are all different subsystems, right? Um, and science, and in the inverse, can also not kind of determine what the political process has to be through some kind of sociology, science, kind of political science, kind of theory, which scientists agree and then kind of dictate. No, these are totally different language games and, and practices, which need to co-evolve. They only have their innovative trajectory, but I think we need to recognize that, and we as architects, and I'm added that to Luhmann's kind of oeuvre, as an architectural design discourse, we have to recognize that we're not making politics, and uh, um, it is in any words it's easy and cheap to, as for kind of half-educated, uh, uh, politically educated architect to kind of proselytize the, the kind of. Architecture students. I mean, that's not the real test for a political rigorous position. Then you need to, <laughs> you need to address the political activist systems, scientists, uh, thinkers. When you really want to test your political arguments, right? You go into political arena proper, and I've done that a little bit, here and there. And I'm going to speak at the uh, Battle of Ideas, and this will be kind of political debate. And and I've been engaged in this for a long time. But uh, within architecture, you can also not be kind of you, you, you can't deliver, architecture shouldn't be usurpated by, you know, and make political problems its problems. We have their own problems in a context of what a political system evolves and delivers. And that's the real politics. And we need to, to some extent, within architecture, see where is architecture going and contributing under political conditions which we need to take as given. Because we are not in the innovative arena where this is pushed forward. That's somewhere else. And we kind of take what where this other discourse has arrived at, not in an avant gardist but in its reality, in its current power structures, that becomes a necessary condition for what we're doing architecturally. And that can't be any other way. Because otherwise, we're just delusionally imposters and pompous, trying to kind of overturn the leg- legitimate, re- legitimate. Uh, arrived at in current system um, decisions about which site uh, which owner which program I mean you know which brief etc this these 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 are these things conditions exist in a politically properly processed and legitimized fashion and they become conditions for for us to work in and that needs to be recognized so I wanted to talk about freedom and order, beauty and architecture. So the concept of freedom is not only about political freedom. freedom is something very, very universal and 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 and, and um, powerful. And it is an inevitable condition for for searching out solutions of making progress. Also in architecture. So, um, and I wanted to. Develop a discourse which starts with trans-historical principles and moves to concrete contemporary polemics, works from aesthetic values to demonstrable substantive performance values, how, how these connect at times with each other, and are moving from the progress of civilization to the progression of architectural style. So this is kind of a, a theoretical program. Um, I would like to deliver, and I have created, I mean, a graph like this, and for me, progress in architecture moves from chaos to beauty. I mean, it's an, it's basically um, uh, moving up from chaos to order, and as well as from kind of unfree chaos to freedom. And this is a diagram I've published in the article in the book on the politics of primatism, and I will re- have another up-enhanced and enhanced article for, on this. Uh, so I want to um, discuss a historical trajectory of styles in that space. And sh- basically I'm arguing that uh, the new degrees of freedom which architecture required to address the new complexities and versatilities of the modern era, through various stages, had to be paid for. So we, had, we have an increase of freedom when we go from the Baroque to classicism, to historicism, to modernism, to postmodernism, we, we have more and more Degrees of freedom and compositional repertoires and moves we can make to create architectural composition, right? Uh, but we have paid for this increases in, in in degrees of freedom. You know, what do I mean by this? For instance, if you go from classicism to historicism, you suddenly can move, <coughs> use different styles. You have choices here. You can use a neo-Gothic, a neo-Gracian, a neo. Renaissance, so there's options. When you move into uh, modernism, of course, you, you throw up overboard proportion and, and symmetry, and you, which which all of these historic sites will have, and you can have much more moves uh, to, to, to express uh, urban compositional conditions. When you move to postmodernism, you, you, you can kind of collage and, and bring back all the styles of history, plus, you have moves of interpenetration and collaging. Deconstructivism liberates us from all the historical motives which we make these more complex post conditions, and we can use all angles, we thrust things into each other, so there's much more freedom. But you can imagine each time there is less and less ordering capacity. The the, the result is ever more versatile and rich, but ever more disordered and hard to grasp. So so what I'm saying here is that we have been paying for advances in freedom by degenerating order. And you can see it in the built environment. In, in the final analysis, we, you know, look at the built environment; it's totally, it's garbage spill, right? Identityless garbage spill. It's rich and, and and intricate and and versatile, and but 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 it's totally disordered, and and that becomes a problem. I mean, it's the garbage spill and the reconstruct kind of complexity is much better than the modernist seriality. And but it's, it becomes a problem. And what I'm saying here is that. We then we moved into folding and then parametricism, suddenly we increased degrees of freedom, clearly, because now we use curvilinearity, we use nerve surfaces, we use swarms, uh, scripts, we have much more formal repertoires, much more compositional potentials, which didn't exist in deconstructism. I mean, that's gradient associated with logics, it's tons more. But at the same time, and that's for the first time, we've vastly increased the ordering capacity of the built environment. It's not only we have much more, many more degrees of freedom, but we now have new ordering potentials. You know, we're not going back to symmetry and proportion, but now we have associative logics, we have gradient scripted, all these scripted logics which enhance order, so it becomes nearly like a natural order, like nature with its endless forms, yet laws of nature determinant, cross determining their likeness every single event, and make every single event a retrievable, legible, navigable. This is just an, an argument. Of the superiority of pramatism, that power that, that, that I call it the inverting of the architecture's entropy law, which was ruling for for three hundred years where the where the, where, where the building line becomes entropic, and I was uh, suddenly going into so this is what 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 beauty in fact means beauty is always that which is life enhancing and and it 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 moves and evolves with, with history but 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 it takes a new form, and I think we Intuitively, a lot of us, I mean, and the results of parameters are incredibly attractive to people. They're they popular, they're they perceived to be incredibly beautiful to many. And also the later versions are more beautiful than the earlier versions. They're more evolved, they're more dense, they're more at play. And, and we certainly perceive them far more beautiful than, you know, all the other styles here. And these vernaculars and the historical... You know, we're reaching maybe something where we, where we, you know, um, as beautiful and more beautiful at at those times. Okay, I just flick through so you can see what was, it was in store and you can look at some of my, um, uh, you know, the trajectory I've been running, Uh, uh, the historical trajectory. And there's a kind of voiceover, of course. <laughs> you know, that's what I mean. You, you, you want to be there, but it's also at the same time it's ugly, and, and, and it could be something much more potent and powerful, which you would select over this. You certainly would move from, from the left to the right, and it's just been Moscow City, by the way, which is that kind of incredible pile of you know garbage-style icons, they all cancel each other out, and it's everywhere looks the same. I mean, you you know, uh, the whole world looks like this. It's Tokyo, and, and it's that, right? And uh, it's great and intense, but it's, it's highly problematic because you don't know where's what to, what to expect. Is, there's no inference potential, no navigable inference. And it was aestheticized in these drawings. And the only le- thing which is legibility to the kind of spill, and hor- you know, horrendous spill, but intensely inviting spill, is river. The, the, that, because that river formation has, has a law, a logic, and it's very much like per right? right? So, so that's the only thing which gives... N- shape and, and navigability and and, to, and it's like yeah. this so this is what inspires us when we do our systems right and um, this is the world we we nature like which 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 is law driven and algorithm driven and, and um, so and and also the buildings in there is a complex and, and multifaceted multi-networked um, and incredibly popular, by the way. There are seven different entrances on different levels. There are three museums, galleries. Comes an icon. Uh, I mean, Queens have the right aesthetic sensibility. The architects, when these was published, hated this. They said, it's so horrendous. This will destroy the city. There's nothing to do with Asia. This is terrible. This has to be forbidden. This has to, you know, it's, you know, Rowan Moore would have been, you know, petitioning against this thing." <laughs> but. It's been taken up immensely. Eight and a half million visitors in the first year. Only the Louvre, has, in terms of, has, has more visitors than this. And, and people just adore it and love it, and, and stimulate it and find it incredibly beautiful and, and potent, and, and the ongoings are just kind of intense, right? And this is, uh, you know, I'm saying, the built environment is a kind of navigable, 360 degree interface of communication. The choices which are unfolded, you can home into, you know what's behind and how it moves and how it continues. And this is... Uh, all of our projects have this kind of character and, and they're taken up uh, and, they're, and they're working. Ron Moore is saying you can't exhibit in this. This is the kiss of death for curators, right? And by the way, these are characters we've invited, these guys, the, the guys who will speak in the series. They, they created this, this intervention in Maxi Museum. So, and this is the kind of spaces we want to be in, you know, suspended in all directions. You see what's going on here, 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 above, below, all around. And... Uh, <laughs> And the last thing is, the social processes in and we can not only just talk about them, label them, and have prejudice about them, we model them as swarm dynamics, and these uh, uh, crowds are architectural crowds, they are semi informed crowds, they're frame-dependent crowds, and a totally new way of taking on the social program, social functionality issues within this paradigm, so there's no, there's no way that you could kind of not participate in this, because this is global best practice. Those who don't invest in these skills will be left behind, will so be clueless, and we have to make these arguments. And the tragedy is that if, yes, we're politically charged up, but if at Columbia University, at AA, and other places, we don't do, invest in these skills, but we can become, we, we, we become kind of mediocre political uh, uh, debaters, that, there's a problem there. there. There's a kind of disciplinary challenge, and that's uh, where I want to leave you with